0: Mic check, one, two, one, two, mic check, mic check, one. Welcome back to the Mogul Podcast. I'm Tim Bryson, Director of Athlete Education and Compliance, and I'm the host of our show. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're a returning community member, welcome back. As y'all know, the Mogul Podcast is dedicated to educating all NIL athletes and brands on how to ensure compliance, how to maximize NIL activity, and how to make a difference in the ever-evolving NIL landscape. Today, we get to kick it with one of the leading voices in NIL education. In Owensboro, Kentucky native, she's a two-time Duke University alumna. While at Duke, she competed as a standout basketball college athlete and All-American, becoming the first Blue Devil in school history to notch 1,800 points, 600 rebounds, and 200 made three-point shots. She is now on the sports partnership team at Meta, where she supports college athletes and emerging creators to maximize business opportunities across Facebook and Instagram. Prior to Meta, she spent time at Think 450 MBPA in grassroots basketball and business development and the Atlanta Hawks in marketing. She started her career in sports broadcasting as a color commentator for ACCN+. She's skilled in sports marketing, social media, content creation, and public speaking, uh, but I'll be remiss if we did not mention that she's the mother to, mother to Willow Bean, the mini Aussie. So Becca Watten, welcome to the Mogul Podcast.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the intro. Love the plug for the Aussie as well. <laughs> but yeah, happy, wa- to be excited to talk to you.
0: Yeah, why the Aussie, yo?
1: Many Aussies are the best dogs out there, hands down. <laughs> not even, not even a competition.
0: <laughs> that's that's love. That's love. I was doing research on you, and I was super excited to see that you're also from the tri- our tri-state, right? The Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky tri-state. I uh, mm-hmm. just spent three weeks in Cincinnati, so good to have a Kentuckian on our podcast, yo.
1: Exactly. I'm a very proud Kentucky native. I I could spend this whole podcast talking about Kentucky, but yeah, Cincinnati is not too far away from where I grew up.
0: Well, before we get into this first segment, do you eat skyline the roses? Graters? Are we a fan or no?
1: Of of what? Sorry. Skyline, what
0: skyline graters, the roses, anything Cincinnati food?
1: Oh no. So I'm from western Kentucky. So I didn't spend too much time in Cincinnati. So I'm not too familiar with that.
0: Like we'll get you some. Hate to let we'll
1: you it. down. Hate to we'll, let you down on that. <laughs>
0: we'll get you, we'll get you some, Becca. Well, I'm gonna jump straight into our pod, right? Um, as I've been um sharing with other guests, we we hear a lot about, you know, helping athletes find their story and find their identity and starting with why, et cetera. But we don't always get to hear the stories of those educators that are teaching the athletes to do the same thing. And so segment one of our podcast, Becca, like really like what, what is your story?
1: Yeah, so it really starts back in Kentucky. Um, grew up in a small rural town. Uh, My dad was a farmer. My mom was a nurse. So really the stereotypical Kentucky background Um, did not grow up in a a sports family at all, really. So I was not really destined to play basketball one day. It kind of just happened for me. Um, But grew up playing sports from a young age, played everything, basketball, baseball, soccer, was very an active kid. Um, But as I got older, really gravitated towards basketball. Um, had a, an older sister, which I was lucky to have, because we were very competitive. We were outside every night in the driveway, getting after it, and then that really helped me develop a love for the game. Um, ended up getting you know college attention at a really young age. Had my first college scholarship offer in eighth grade from UNC of all schools, um, which is funny now looking back. Um, but after that, the the scholarship offers. Flew in from, you know, Duke, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Kentucky, you name it. Um, was very fortunate to have a, a great high school career. Um, was an All-American in high school. Broke the, the national record for most three-pointers made in a game, which was crazy. Um, so really had a, a, a really cool high school career growing up in a small town in Kentucky. Um, from there, ended up deciding on the Blue Devils, which if you know anything about Kentucky basketball history, that was the ultimate sin to go to the dark side and leave your home state and go to the Blue Devils. Um, But I did it anyways, and it was the best decision I ever made. Um, Was there for five years, had an incredible experience, Uh, was an All-American on the court, Uh, met some of my best friends at Duke, um, and really got to live out my dream that I set out for myself as a young girl, which was playing college basketball um, and got drafted in the WNBA afterwards. So that's you know, the high level story. It was not rainbows and butterflies by you know, any means. It was a long, tough road and journey being a college athlete, as any college athlete can understand. Um, you know, During that time, dealt with my fair share of injuries and adversity. I've had Six knee surgeries and one back surgery, which I could spend this whole podcast talking about all the highs and lows there. Um, but, you know, really, despite all the injuries and adversity, love my time being a college athlete. And I can honestly say my time as a college athlete is what allowed me to be in the position I am today, um, working in sports. Um, so, you know, can be happy to dive in um, in more detail about everything I. I learned from just being a college athlete alone, but I've had a a very fun ride um, and journey and now taking a, a different approach to sports, uh, working on the business side at Meta.
0: No, for sure. And and you skipped over this part. Um, How many three point shots you make in a game?
1: So I made 17 in a game in high school, which was the national record up until like a year ago. (laughs) I think someone beat it with like 19, which is insane. Um, Yeah. I had, I had the national record for like five years or so. Wow.
0: Wow. And before we get to segment two, you you just mentioned it, uh, but some of that, maybe one pivotal decision or pivotal moment uh, as an undergraduate or a grad student um, that really helped to shape your career and propel you into a career in sports.
1: Yeah. So, you know, for me, it was just, it's a, you know, it was an interesting story. You know, when I was younger, What I said I wanted to be when I grew up was a WNBA player. I didn't really have a backup plan. I just knew the one thing I loved was basketball, and that's what I wanted to make a career out of. Um, And I was fortunate to be drafted in the WNBA, but the game got taken away from me. You know, As I mentioned, I I dealt with injuries. And after I graduated, I had a surgery that went really wrong um, and had a doctor tell me, It was time to call it quits and throw in the towel. So, you know, I was forced to have to figure out what was next. Um, So, for me, the biggest, you know, jump was just accepting that, moving on, um, and trying to get experience and something outside of playing the game. So, I had a unique journey after um, I had to accept that. And for me, I just I said yes to everything, any opportunity that came by. I said yes, whether I was comfortable with it or not, because the best way to grow is to be comfortable being uncomfortable. So I did internships. My first internship was at a a sports marketing company in Chicago. Like I said, I'm from Kentucky. I went to school (laughs) in Durham, North Carolina. I had never been to a big city in my life. So I packed my things, moved to Chicago for a summer on my own, and, you know, as a incredible job experience but just incredible life experience being in a city like chicago it was just something completely new and different than what i was used to um and then after chicago I actually moved back to durham and was given the opportunity to try color commentating and sports broadcasting which was something that was also completely out of my comfort zone um i'm much more of a reserved person Uh, than outgoing. So I just didn't think (laughs) that was for me, but I tried it anyways. Um, Amazing experience. Knew it wasn't something I wanted to do long-term, but I met so many great people along the way and was able to build a new skill set in public speaking, which I use every day now. Very true. A blessing in disguise there. And then lastly, went to the Two quick stops at the Atlanta Hawks doing an internship and then at the National Basketball Players Association in New York doing another internship before I got to Meta. So for me, the general theme was just saying yes, trying new things um, and, you know, putting myself outside of my comfort zone.
0: Now, that seems to be a, uh, a trend and a theme of a lot of former college athletes who have found their way or made their way, even created their way to work. Um, you know as in a career um, in sports whether college high school or professional level Um, but for you to transition us to segment two Uh, the program that received a lot of attention reshared repost likes comments etc um is the empower program at meta Uh, so this last i guess application round is 2.0 but there's obviously a 1.0 that came before this Um, can you just talk more about the inception of this program right it's history uh, where you are now what what you're excited about moving into 2.0
1: yeah, for sure. So the, the NIL Power program is our incubator program at Meta for female college athletes. So once NIL, you know, came into existence, I knew right away that this was an opportunity to level the playing field for all athletes, but especially female athletes. Yep. Um, I wanted to do something that could help support them, um, bring them opportunities, because, you know, I know if given the right education and support and resources that any athletes, but again, especially female athletes can really thrive. But one problem I saw within the whole college athletics ecosystem is just tactical education. You know, yep. athletes are getting yep. guest speakers, they're getting talked to all the time. But as far as how do I get started, there was really a gap and a, you know, a missing piece there. So, you know, we created the Empower program um, to bridge that gap between education and execution. Um, So last year we actually ran it with four different women's college sports teams. It was 75 athletes total. It was Duke women's basketball, Notre Dame women's basketball, UCLA gymnastics, and Stanford women's soccer. Mm. And we took them through five different educational workshops. Um, But the way we made it tactical was, you know, at the end of each workshop, we'd give them goals and a checklist to, you know, go out and do. So for example, you know content production goals you know setting turning on two factor authentication so your instagram account isn't getting hacked turning on a creator account so you're getting access to professional dashboard and insights um so we tried to make it tactical also make it competitive so we had a leaderboard where we were tracking certain metrics throughout that they could you know compete with the other athletes in the cohort and it was a really you know great success it was an opportunity to build community um, but also, um, you know be able to you know see these athletes really thrive. So now, in year two, um, now that we have a blueprint for what works and what doesn't, we're taking a different approach and we made it application based. So we want to make sure we're getting the top tier athletes that are engaged, that are you know want to take advantage of Nil that we know are really gonna you know execute and get everything out of it that they can. So we made an application base. That's where we worked with Mogul to um, socialize this application. And so far, the application just closed last week. We had over 500 applicants um, across Division One through NAIA schools, um, female athletes across the country. So that just goes to show you that female athletes really care and they want to learn.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, so this week, we're actually selecting the cohort, which we have our hands full because It's very competitive, Um, but once we announce this cohort, we'll be running it from late August to early December. We'll be taking them through more educational workshops. We'll be having incentives this time around, so we'll be prioritizing them for internal monetization and amplification opportunities. We're also looking to partner with interested brands that want to integrate with the cohort whether that's through NIL deals, guest speaking, or, you know, even offering internship opportunities. And then that last piece is career development. Um, One problem, you know, I see in college athletics overall is that athletes are struggling to transition to life after sports because Mm -hmm. they don't have career development really in school because they're so busy with sports and school and everything that's going on in college. So we want to help facilitate micro-internship opportunities that athletes can do around their sports schedules. Um, so that's really, you know, at a high level, the three main buckets the program will focus on. Um, but we're really excited and um, looking forward to announcing this cohort soon.
0: No, I bet. And I mean, you had a lot of the uh, important points, not just as it relates to what the incubator program is purpose to do but i think also again things like career development i mean like how you said tactical education i know when we first taught you mentioned like education in action which is continue to stick with me like even today um but one thing a question i have for you is thinking about moving from 1.0 to 2.0 uh, what's one change that you've made to the program that you're most excited about
1: yeah i would say the biggest piece is just making it application based instead of you know going to specific athletes with the opportunity putting it on the athletes to apply and show why they're interested that's been the biggest difference so far and it's really allowed us to discover Mm -hmm. new athletes that we never would have heard of or never would have known about Um, and it's also you know unlocked this theme of you know how entrepreneurial and proactive and just impressive female athletes are I mean I'm reading through some of these applications and like my mouth is open because it's it's just crazy everything they're doing on top of their sports and mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. Um, so that's one big change I'm excited about just the caliber and interest of the athletes that will be involved and then the second part um, is working with brands that want to integrate with the athletes yeah. I feel like that was a, a missing piece last year but In the spirit of NIL, we want to be able to offer NIL deals. So, you know, they go through education about branding, about content creation, about branded content. And then at the end, they have something to execute on and that's a branded content deal. So I feel like that would really tie the program all together. Um, So again, that's not something that's confirmed yet, but we're talking to a lot of brands and I, I personally think it's a no brainer to want to work with. 30 top female athletes but you know, I'm not <laughs> the one making those decisions so I'll, I'll keep you posted on how that one goes.
0: No I'll be lo- I'll be locked in And you know, So you mentioned the Empower program and I think again, anyone who hasn't been around the NIL space um, attention and a lot of the money to be, to be very um, clear went to men's basketball and football. which you can continue to focus on female athletes but another uh, identity community that you all focused on is athletes that are at uh, historically black colleges and universities. Uh, particularly you had the Golab program last year can you talk more about again similar to how did it get started how did that program grow and what are you looking forward to moving forward
1: yeah exactly so the go up program has been around for a little bit longer um historically it got started before i joined meta and instead of working with hbcu athletes they worked with different cohorts within sports so they mm-hmm. worked with fitness personalities one year um digital media companies one year and then last year was the first time they worked on HBCU athletes because of NIL so GoLab kind of switches its target year by year it's target Uh, year by year but last year we did focus on HBCU athletes um, and it was an amazing program very similar to Empower where it's education focused um, but we wanted to you know help give support and give resources to an underrepresented group of athletes who normally doesn't have those resources. And it's so crazy to see just the success of these athletes once given proper support and guidance. Um, We had about 35 athletes and that group um, took them through education over the course of six months. We got to meet all of them in person at the NIL summit in Atlanta in June. Um, and we still have, you know, touch points with them today. Um, so, you know, I'm really proud of Meta's investment in underrepresented communities and groups. Um, and GoLab is just a testament um, to one way we do that.
0: No, for sure. And as I mentioned before, I mean, what y'all are doing in Meta and what you are doing in particular uh, is leading, right? It's trailblazing. And I want to be very clear and direct about that. But since y'all have you know, made this commitment and been explicit about your commitment to supporting female athletes, HBCU athletes, uh, there have been other brands like Adidas, right, who just signed, I think, 15 athletes, 15 female athletes in particular, excuse me, uh, to NIL deals. So I guess the follow-up question to that is, right, we see these one-time, two-time, you know, these uh, sustainable programs that are being developed now, but what is the long-term role of platforms like META to be involved with college athletics and NIL moving forward?
1: Yeah, first first off, it's just been great to see other brands step up adidas being one of them you know champion had a great program and campaign um h&r block has committed a million dollars supporting female athletes so it's been inspiring to see like brands finally you know put their money where their mouth is and i think it's paying off for them because female athletes have proven now to you know, be great influencers and ambassadors. So I think that's here to stay and that we'll see more brands start to tap in. But for Meta, you know, our goal is to make Meta the best place for all student athletes to maximize NIL. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as much as we wish we could give that hands-on support to every individual athlete, it's just not possible since there's Mm -hmm. 500,000. But we're constantly day by day, our role is to help, you know, increase creator monetization opportunities for everyone. So things like, you know, Instagram subscriptions, um, which is a new product where creators can monetize, we're going to continue to expand that and want athletes to be able to take advantage of products like that. Um, Branded content, obviously, on our platforms is huge and here to stay. That's a, you know, no brainer way for athletes to make money. It's the number one way Athletes are making money in NIL. So we want to make that as seamless as possible. And then the number one way is just through, um, you know, being discoverable, you know, products like Instagram reels is obviously, if you look at Instagram, we're clearly focusing on that product right now. And, you know, (laughs) big big reason is getting hit and miss reviews. We're working on it. Don't, don't, um, just get, be patient. It will find a good format soon, but (laughs) We're working on formats like that to help creators and athletes become more discoverable. So help grow their audiences, grow their followers, which at the end of the day is very attractive to brands. Um, so we want to make our platforms, you know, as easy as possible for athletes to use to grow brand and ultimately to now make money when it comes to nil.
0: Well, I'll tell you this before you, um, before I make any decision pertaining to the reels, let, I got a, a couple of content pieces I need to get off. So if we can wait till like early September, mid September, that'd be, that'd be I great.
1: Wish, <laughs> I wish I could pull all these levers. Trust me. <laughs> no, wow. it's, all, it's
0: all good. It's all good. But while you're doing this education, right. And you're moving through these programs, continuing to enhance the programs. What have you learned about yourself um, during this process?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um. I would say just like I'm still the exact same person I was as an athlete in Mm -hmm. sports business. Like as an athlete, I really pride myself on being the hardest worker in the room, in the gym, on the court. I was very competitive. I wanted to show up every day early, stay late, get the extra reps in. And now that I can't play, I apply that same mindset to work and business and what I do every day. So that's what I've learned about myself, just like how valuable being a student athlete is. Like there's nothing you're going to do in the corporate world that can even compare to how difficult all the sprints you went through in college were, (laughs) or the two-a-days, or the tough losses, the ups and downs. Like once you get on the other side, it's still hard. Like, don't get me wrong, but you're built for it. Like you're prepared all those hours and workouts you went through as a college athlete are preparing you, um, for what's next. So, you know, I didn't have it all figured out when I first graduated, it honestly took me like two to three years to really find my neat, like my niche and get rolling. But now, you know, that I found it, um, I'm really confident and just thankful for, my experiences as an athlete because I think that's what got me here.
0: I believe it, and I support that a thousand percent. Uh, transitioning to our next segment, our last segment, again, focus on action items. I think a lot of podcasts, some people have frustration. Like, what did we what did they just talk about? What am I leaving with? Um, and so the question for you, Becca: three things you want our community to take away and to remember um after our time today on this podcast together.
1: Yes, great question. Um, so three to come to mind. One is Be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and try new things. Even though, even if it seems completely out of your realm or wheelhouse, just say yes and try it, especially when you're young in your career, because it might not be your dream job right away, but more than likely you're building skills or relationships, et cetera, that are going to come in handy down the road Um, Two, shoot your shot. I say this a lot to athletes I talk to now. Um, I did this early in my career as well. But like, especially when you're a college athlete, you have a unique platform. So don't be afraid to use it. Like reach out to people you want to learn from and you know, set up informational interviews or coffee chats. Or if there's a brand you're interested in working with, reach out, introduce yourself and see if they want to collaborate with you. Like it could lead to nothing 99 of the time but all you need is that one percent to either get a brand deal get an interview or maybe even get a job and that's happened to me time and time again so shoot your shot and then the last piece of advice i would say is just to be a good person which is yeah. very simple but yeah. like treat other people how you want to be treated your reputation and your brand is everything you know once you are done playing sports no matter what industry you work in it's a really small world people know each other um and your brand really is everything so just remember that at the end of the day treat people with respect treat people with kindness um because it goes a long way
0: that's love i'm surprised you didn't mention a follow willow bean yo
1: oh also follow Willow bean, <laughs> not her ig is at willowbean underscore the Aussie. Let me double check. If not, just follow me, be Greenwell23. I'm posting about her all the time. And uh she's tagged in my bio, of course.
0: <laughs> nah I know that's love. Anything else you want to leave with us before we depart? Where where can people find you? How can people get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, like I said, follow me on IG at B Greenwell23. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Rebecca Greenwell-Wathen. I will respond to anyone who reaches out. There's so many people who help me along the way. So if you have you know, questions or just want to talk, um, shoot me a message. I'll get back to you, and I would love to help out in any way I can.
0: Awesome, Becca. Well, again, first and foremost, thank you so much for your time, your commitment, uh, your energy um, to ensuring to all athletes, especially female athletes and HBCU athletes, are equipped with the resources, right? And the knowledge uh, to get paid in this new NIL era. Uh, Definitely look forward to seeing who's selected in this next cohort and look forward to supporting you and Meta and Facebook and whatever, yeah, and Instagram, whatever y'all need um, from us and from the industry. Now for everyone else, thank y'all again for tuning in to another episode of the Mogul Podcast. Look forward to uh, spending time with y'all next week as we continue to educate all NIL athletes and brands on how to ensure compliance, how to maximize NIL activity, How to make a difference in the ever evolving NIL landscape. Peace out.